Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. WGR Sports Radio 550. If you could only have one guy, just one guy that you put in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't know why that would be. Maybe because there's a small Hall of Fame and there's a fire inspector that says you can only have one guy that can go in that Hall of Fame. That guy, I mean, that guy's going to be Brett Favre. Back in 2004, we're talking, we're, you know, just having a normal interview, and a squirrel came running across the field. And I guess it tripped and injured itself. I, mean, I wasn't really paying attention to the squirrel. But Brett Favre, in the middle of the interview, saw the squirrel trip and Brett looks at the squirrel and says, oh no, that squirrel is limping. So Brett Favre runs over and helps that little guy. Brett Favre made that squirrel a little cast and then he made him little squirrel crutches. And most people would have sent that squirrel on its way, but Brett Favre was worried that squirrel wouldn't get away. So Brett Favre taught that squirrel karate. And I said to Brett, I didn't know you knew karate. And that's when Brett Favre said to me, I didn't know karate. I taught it to myself when I saw that squirrel trip. That tells you something right there. On WGR Sports Radio 550. It's perfect background music for a Frank Caliendo video mocking. I guess it's not mocking. I guess it's impersonating John Madden, but... John Madden, quote-unquote, is uh, talking about Brett Favre, who is being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend in Canton. Uh, For me, I'm a big Brett Favre fan. I modeled most of my younger year, my younger quarterbacking years after Brett Favre, Uh, just the gunslinger mentality, the, you know, things that coaches would tell you not to do that Brett Favre did that would drive other coaches crazy because you'd go to practice and do some of the stuff you saw Brett Favre do in the games. And and for me, you know, one of the things that I always in, impersonated uh, of Brett Favre is his throwing motion. And, and, and if you don't really pay attention to the, that kind of details of the, of the football, of football games and, and, you know, quarterbacks and players in general. But, you know, Brett Favre had probably one of the most unique throwing motions and style of, of play where he really kind of... I mean, if you look at most quarterbacks nowadays, and it's really by the Peyton Mannings and then the in the Tom Brady's, you see a lot of guys. You know, they're going to hold the ball underneath their chin at chest level. Um, you know, and that's just sort of what you're taught at a young age is, is you want to have the ball. You know, near near or around your ear to chest area. Brett Favre was one of those guys that just held the ball at his belly button and would just sling the ball like he was playing in the backyard and. 
one of the things I always admired from him was in that run to the Super Bowl when they played the Lions, and I think this was 92 or 91. And I think it was 90, actually, no, I think I'm wrong. I think it was 93, because I know I was born at the time, and it was the year they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And it was on that run when they, this was the, I believe the Lions, and I believe it was the NFC Championship game where they won, they beat the Lions 28-24, to and Brett Favre is rolling out to his left, and it's they're down by four. I think it's twenty four. They're yeah. They're down twenty four to twenty one. And Brett Favre rolls out to his left just to just stop, pivot, open, open his hips, and just launch a ball from the opposite number to the opposite sidelines to a wide open Sterling Sharp, and he catches it in the end zone. And I just remember going like going to practices in my in my early years and almost almost emulating that exact play, rolling to my left, opening up and just throwing to the opposite corner of the field and I mean I would get yelled at all the time by coaches because that just isn't something that you really as a coach want to see your quarterback doing is launching a football across his body from number to opposite number. But Brett Favre made a habit of doing it and doing it well. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why he was my favorite quarterback growing up and will probably continue. So uh, to me, uh, well-deserved. Uh, and I don't want to get into the argument because we could get into it all morning. But, you know, Marvin Harrison also enters in. Those guys are really my time. Orlando Pace is also in there. And then, you know, Kenny Stabler and some other guys that I'm not exactly familiar with because they just didn't, yeah, didn't grow up watching them. But Favre and Harrison. But, you know, as much as I as I thought that Marvin Harrison was probably going to be a Hall of Famer, um, I don't think that he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame over Terrell Owens at this point in his career. I think Terrell Owens is by far. Um, I think he's uh, one tier better than than Marvin Harrison, and I don't and I don't think that T.O. really gets the credit he deserves at being such a good quarterback, beca- quarterback, a good wide receiver, um, because of some of the antics that he had off the field, the TV shows, the you know the distraction that he was off the field. I think leads to some you know bad taste in people's mouth. But to me, you know, T.O. is potentially a top five wide receiver of all time. Um, and you look at Marvin Marvin Harrison, I, I he could be potentially a top ten. guy. Guy, but I think with To, you're looking at there's maybe two or three, maybe four, if, if on a good day, better than To in his prime. So um, you know, I, I definitely disagree on that. But uh, as far as Brett Favre goes, uh, well deserved, and I'll be excited to watch him walk across that stage, and uh, I'll be I'll be excited to listen to his wife give his commencement speech. That'll be um, that'll be probably a, a tearjerker to say the least. His wife. Um, who'd, who'd battled breast cancer for a good portion of his career. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get to hear a lot about the uh, the game that Brett Favre played against the Oakland Raiders following the death of his father, Bud. Um, and, and, and that's one of the, to me, one of the more emotional times I remember watching an NFL game um, was watching Brett Favre throw, I think, six, Brayton? I don't know. Is it six? Do you remember six or seven touchdowns? In in that game, yeah, he, no, threw. he threw. He only threw four. Oh, he, really? But he but he threw like three touchdowns right off the bat. Okay, that's what it was. One yeah, was like a eighty-five yeah. yarder or something. It was just incredible. Just he just wound up, threw a ball way downfield, found the receiver, and it, he just made it look so easy. And I think he threw for like. 399 yeah yards. it was something I know he he put up some sort of crazy stat I remember that game. watching that game too and me too I thought yeah. it was incredible what he did it was such a moment the day after his dad passed right and, and constantly the the camera and and the broadcast did a great job of this and just kind of breaking away from game action to to kind of go to to Brett's wife who at the time had been in the really kind of the beginning stages of breast cancer and and just kind of showing the emotion in her eyes watching Brett 
really just dismantle a Raiders team um, on that day. And, and it was really something special to watch. And, and I don't know, it, those are the types of things you just can't replicate in sports is that emotional tie, and especially for a guy who has been so close to his father. And, uh, and that was quite a moment for Brett Favre. So Brett Favre, well-deserved uh, well introduction into the Hall of Fame this weekend. So uh, I'll be paying attention to that as well. But let's move back to Bill's talk as they, uh, as we mentioned in the first hour, By heading the way, into the Frank scrimmage Caliendo today. is not Funny. Oh, I, I knew you were going to come in with that. You were. I this morning. I saw. I didn't actually watch the whole video, but I saw it on ESPN, and I thought that would probably be a funny open. I'm like Brayton. Um, instead of making said Bills open, can you make a Frank Caliendo does John Madden? You know, analyzing Brett Favre. I didn't know there was a squirrel teaching karate in there, but that was probably the highlight of that video, most likely, right? No, none of it was a <laughs> highlight. None of it is a highlight. Frank Caliendo <laughs> is not funny anymore. He was funny back then, but now, no, he's not funny. His stuff has gotten a little bit dry. He's just mostly because he's doing the same people and over and over again. But I don't care. His Bill Belichick with the dog and 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 that skit that he does is incredible. And he also does to me. He does a really good Gruden. Uh, Frank Caliendo, he's, he's going to be a pretty big part of the ESPN broadcast this year um, as you know, guys like Tom Jackson, uh, Mike Ditka are no longer on NFL Countdown, Sunday at Fun Countdown. So you know, ESPN, I think, has taken a, a pretty decent hit this year on the football programming side. Randy Moss will take over uh, on there, and I believe so will Trent Dilfer. I, I'm, I, a lot of people give Trent Dilfer a lot of, a lot of crap, um, but uh, at the same time, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Trent myself. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be tough either way. When you lose a guy like Tom Jackson, who was one of my favorite guys from Sunday NFL Countdown. Um, and, you know, next uh, in a couple moments here, we're going to connect with, uh, with Ryan Talbot on the AT&T Highlight. I'll get his, his opinions on Sunday NFL Countdown as well because, um, you know, it, that's one of my favorite pregame shows on Sunday mornings. And uh, I'm definitely going to miss Tom Jackson for sure. Um, when I think about Sunday NFL countdown, I think of you know Chris Berman and and Tom Jackson together. So that'll be uh, it'll be weird watching that without Tom Jackson there and without um, Chris Mortensen doing the stuff as well, doing his his reporting uh, as he recovers from uh, from throat cancer. So uh, you know ESPN taking a big hit this year with some of their uh, on air personality, and uh, we'll see how it goes from there. But uh, I, as we were sort of talking about before we came back in the first hour here, was Tyrod Taylor and his potential. Uh, contract extension talks that have been looming and some of these rumors of a two-year bridge contract. Um, I'm really excited about the idea of some sort of bridge contract for Tyrod Taylor, mostly because I didn't think it was really an option for the team. I didn't really think it was something that his agency, um, you know, his party would really entertain. Um, just seeing what some of the other quarterbacks that got paid um, in free agency were this year, I, I, I just assumed that Tyrod and his agent were going to be pretty pretty set on getting paid this offseason. But in my mind, um, I, I still think that there's a good chance that he will get paid. And I, and I think this is an opportunity for him to bet a little bit on himself and for the team to put um, a little bit of security in their back pocket as well, knowing that they can put an incentive-laden deal on the table for Tyrod. And, and, and it gives them a little bit of confidence and a little bit of, uh, you know, I guess good-hearted feelings that, they're going to do something for a guy that they see as being a potential franchise quarterback to help him along, but at the same time cover their butts a little bit. Um, and and that's it's always a tough situation when you're talking about a franchise quarterback, especially in Buffalo, because you're just not used to talking about a franchise quarterback. So a lot of people just say, well, let's pay this guy right away and 
you know, yes, you should. I think ultimately you should pay him, but I think in due time and let him, you know, play out. I mean, and, and ultimately the Bills have all of the leverage here in this contract. He still technically has two years on his deal and that he should play out. So, uh, but more on this, let's bring in Ryan Talbot uh, from uh, Ryan. Well, now you're, you're a big man on campus now. You moved on from Scout, uh, so you're going to be up at New York Upstate, correct? That is correct. With uh, with our guy Matthew Fairburn, who is a uh, who is a friend of the program, so you'll be joining Matthew up there. Uh, so what are you going to be doing? Just going to be doing a lot of uh, Bills reporting, and uh, I mean, I'm assuming you're going to be headed up to camp soon in the next week or so. Uh, so what uh, what's your new role going to be like up there? You know, I, I'm going to supplement the coverage with Matt. He'll do a lot of the beat stuff, um, and yeah, I'll be at camp a few days next week, hopefully, and I'll also just be doing uh, other news pieces here and there from around the league. I'll be looking around for other news um, just to kind of supplement the coverage that will be there at training camp. So I'm very excited to get started. Yeah, congratulations, by the way, Ryan. And uh, I definitely enjoyed my time working with you at Scouts. So uh, I'll definitely be uh, be following along and reading everything you you you, uh, you put out with Matthew. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of what he does up there. So I'll be excited to uh, to see you guys work as a team. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a great thing for both of you. So congratulations, buddy. Um, what I was talking about this morning is, uh, this rumor, I guess, I guess it's not really rumor. It's gained some steam in the, in the past, I would say 24 hours or so, but the whole idea of this bridge contract, this two year, $30 million template that's been kind of thrown around for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, what are your thoughts on this bridge deal? And is this something that you think is a win-win for both sides? Or do you see another one side making out better than the other? Well, I think it is a win-win for both sides because right now uh, Tyrod Taylor is drastically underpaid based on the standards for starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And, yeah, the, the template of two years, $30 million, who knows how that really breaks down. But I, I would assume it would all be guaranteed money. Uh, and in that case, that at least boosts Tyrod Taylor up significantly from what he would be making. Uh, and it gives both sides time to really work on a true long-term deal that could pay him that upper echelon of 18 to $20 million per season. So from the Bills' perspective, it buys them some more time to have Tyrod Taylor. From Tyrod Taylor's perspective, it's a, it's a significant pay increase. So both sides get what they want. It seems like if Tyrod Taylor's party is open to this, that Tyrod Taylor wants to stay in Buffalo, which is also good news for the Bills. So, yeah, I'd say it's a win-win all around. Ryan Talbot from New York Upstate joining me this morning. So as we continue talking about Tyrod Taylor here, um, you know, there had been the first couple of days, Arcel Capaccio reported it, um, Joe Biscalia, WKBW also um, talking a little bit about it as well. Um, what are your thoughts about the idea that, that Tyrod's kind of come out and been average so far to camp? Um, not really sticking out in any particular category although I've heard some good things in the red zone that he's been very sharp in the red zone thus far are you at all concerned or worried about uh, where Tyrod is at this point his progression and and what he's going to be doing moving forward you know I'm not too worried yet if I were to guess I'm thinking that Greg Roman first of all is throwing more at him in the second year so you're going you're going to see some different uh, looks from Tyrod in terms of play calls things like that the defense is in their second year, so I would hope I would hear that the defense is playing a little bit better, intercepting some passes, uh, better coverage, this and that. But, yeah, you know, I've read that he's had some underthrown balls or some miscommunications. But if you look at the wide receivers, 
there's a lot of new guys getting rotated in too. So I, I think there's a combination of, of things that could be throwing him off a little bit right now. So I, I'm not too worried at this point. Um, if, if you get three games into the preseason and you're not seeing what you want, then is it okay to panic a little bit? Sure. But if you look at this uh, roster, there's no other choice. And, and the way Tyrod Taylor played, he is the number one quarterback. There's no doubt about that. So you ride with what you have, and he's clearly their, far and away their best quarterback. So no, no reason to worry just yet. Ryan, uh, I've been especially paying attention to, and, and call me a little bit weird or crazy, but I've I played safety growing up, and I've just been watching that safety battle kind of play out. This, and it's not really the starting safety battle, but it's it's the backup safety battle alongside of Robert Blanton. And you're looking at basically a three man race in the uh, Colt Anderson, Jonathan Meeks, and Duke Williams. In your eyes, uh, I talked with Ryan Lasalle last hour about it a little bit. Uh, who to you has the leg up there? I think we know what we have in Duke Williams. Um, but to you, who is maybe a guy that uh, is, is Colt Anderson really going to be considered in this position, or is he mostly just a special teams guy, or is this uh, Jody Meeks? I'm Jody Meeks. Jonathan Meeks' position to lose. You know, it's interesting because Meeks, uh, I, I like Meeks a lot, but he's had injury concerns throughout his career. Uh, and you know that Duke Williams and Colt Anderson both give you a boost on special teams. The only problem with Duke Williams was he was kind of uh, fish out of water last year, I guess you'd say, coverage-wise. He had a lot of blown assignments when he was on the field, when he, when he, whether it was practice or live game situations. So that worries me a little bit. But if, he's grasped, uh, if he has a better grasp of the playbook in year two, then I think he's legitimately considered. But they brought Cole Anderson in for a reason, too. And if they want to have him stick on this roster, it's not just going to be for special teams. He's going to have to know the playbook and be that emergency fourth safety in case something happens behind uh, the top three guys who you already mentioned. Uh, the, the good news there is Robert Blanton seems to have a really good grasp of the playbook. He seems to know where to be. He seems to know where to be calling out other players in terms of positioning. So I'm very encouraged with that signing. But, yeah, that fourth safety uh, competition is very interesting right now. Ryan Talbot here from New York Upstate. Uh, he will be joining Matthew Fairburn up there in the Upstate uh, Writing some bill stuff, so uh, definitely pay attention to that, Ryan. Uh, another comp, I guess it's not really a competition at this point, but you're starting your main two starting def- interior defensive linemen, anyways. And Marcel Darius and Kyle Williams haven't been uh, practicing quite yet. They've been doing stuff off to the side, uh, so there's been kind of uh, a nice rotation of depth players uh, that you'll see, uh, especially tonight on the first team defense, running through in that interior defensive line and that that nose tackle and two defensive end slash defensive tackle positions um who are you looking at other than adolphus washington as being a guy that and corbin bryant because i think corbin is pretty much a mainstay on this defense and he's a perfect you know rotational guy he can play basically any position but to you you know who's is there any guy sticking out to you um that maybe is going or maybe may a uh, some sort of impact on the team this year at that interior defensive line position you know, Jarrell Worthy is a name to keep an eye on. He was a high draft pick a few years back, and, and things weren't really clicking for him in his various stops throughout the league. But in OTAs, he really stepped up, um, and he's a guy that I'm going to be watching tonight and, and seeing how he performs. I think he has a chance to really earn a spot on this 53-man roster, but he'll have to step up a little bit at camp. As you said, they have Kyle Williams, they have Marcel Darius. Uh, I really like Corbin Bryan a lot. I think he might end up winning that other starting job over Adolphus Washington 
I know the Bills said they want to have Washington start out the gate, but I think Bryant might give you a little bit more to start the year. They have a lot of talent there on that defensive line, but Jarrell Worthy is one guy that I'm watching. It's funny you say that because I was thinking the same thing, Ryan, and he's just one guy that I, whenever I'm watching, because, I mean, I'm a, a big buff and during the day. I can't pay attention to as much Bills as I want to because I have another job, but I've been watching uh, Bills Roundup and the videos on, on buffalobills.com and reading some of sales articles to recap some of these practices, and, and he's just one name that I've been, and, and 94 is just a number, and he's a big guy, so he just seems to be someone that catches my eye on the field, so I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. And then, obviously, the Reggie Raglan injury yesterday, um, not exactly what I'm sure Rex Ryan wanted to see ending the first week of, of practice and probably the only the second or third practice in pads, seeing Reggie Raglan go to a non-contact knee injury. What are your thoughts on what this team will have to do if Raglan um, is out for any significant time? You know, there's nothing really they can do. If you look at the free agent market, I mean, it's slim pickings, which obviously in early August it should be. But you're, you're looking at guys like Stephen Tullock, who would probably be the best option but he's coming off of an injury. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, who has um, experience playing in a 3-4 and a 4-3. You have a Curtis Lawson who's played under Rob Ryan uh, in, in New Orleans, but it, you know he's on the downside of his career. So really, they need to be hoping for some very good news. If not, they need to be paying attention to the waiver wire very closely when cuts start happening, whether it's when they cut the rosters down to 75 or, or if they want to wait until they get cut down to 53. There'll be some young, talented guys that maybe the Bills like in the draft process in the last few years that they might want to bring in, or or a guy that Rex Ryan maybe was eyeing, whether it was during his time with the Jets or during his time now with the Bills. So they need to be keeping an eye on other competitions around the league, seeing who's going to get caught possibly. But if it is an injury that keeps Ragland out, it's definitely worrisome. Um, you know, they lost Reddick yesterday too to an injury in MCL sprain, I believe. So depth is already a concern there, and hopefully they get some good news on the Reggie Ragland front. So with all these injuries, what kind? How important is Zach Brown or a guy like uh, Eric Stryker going to be to the Bills' defense now? You know, Zach Brown, I think, is, was very important regardless. I know that he was already kind of labeled as the backup inside linebacker, but he is by far their best guy in terms of athleticism, in terms of possibly covering guys. Uh, his coverage grades at Pro Football Folks haven't been the greatest, but in terms of natural athleticism, I think he can step in and, and handle coverage. Uh, Eric Stryker, you know, big knock on him was that he was undersized, but I think that he can play a, a role on this team as a rookie as well, possibly more so as a third-down obvious pass situation, pass rusher, whether it's from inside linebacker or outside linebacker. Uh, that was one of his, you know, biggest greatest assets or best talents at Oklahoma, he can get after the quarterback. So they're going to have to be uh, very creative with their own guys, and they're going to have to look and see what's out there, whether they want to look now or wait until some cuts happen. But they definitely need some more bodies here at camp if Ragland's out for an extended period of time. Ryan Talbot, thank you so much for uh, jumping on with us this morning, buddy. And uh, congratulations again on your new gig. And I uh, really look forward to all the content you guys will be spitting out uh, in the coming weeks here as Bill's season starts to unfold. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Ryan Talbot from New York Upstate there. 
spitting some Bills game with us. So uh, we're not done, though. We are not done with spitting the Bills game as uh, we now have our prized fighter, as I would probably call him, Duffy, coming up next. Um, I'm, I would be disappointed if Duffy doesn't have some sort of sound bite for me uh, that will basically make the show. Or, I mean, we need to ask him about Frank Caliendo, his opinion oh, on Frank Caliendo. We, I think we should because uh, at this point, Duffy is, is almost, he's getting to a Frank Caliendo fame type level where he's, now he's on like, he's hosting like three separate shows. Not only that, but you can basically hear him the entire time during the Howard Simon show. He should just come over and start, and start hosting for WGR at this point. He should, he should be a multi, a multi-market media giant that or he can or he can impersonate all the hosts that we have here oh wow he could be the he could be buffalo's frank caliendo all right well we'll get all those uh we'll get all those opinions from uh, from duffy coming up next as he will be along with us uh we're going to continue talking bills talk and some training camp and scrimmage previews for tonight all that's next on wgr And the only prescription is more cowbell. It's more cowbell. I really wanted to replace the only prescription is more cowbell with the only prescription is Duffy. But uh, we don't have Duffy on the line quite yet, but uh, we'll have him here in a second. Uh, I, I put it. I didn't put the intro together. It was, of course, my my professional producer and Brayton Wilson who put together a little bit of uh, intro there for Duffman uh, who we'll have on the line here shortly but uh, I just figured more cowbell would really be the only thing to really intro Duffy the proper way um, so uh, we bring him in now on the AT&T hotline Duffy uh, from 96.5 WCMF in Rochester you can hear him every morning 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, he's been live at training camp so I figured he'd be the perfect guy to bring in and uh, and give us a little bit more uh, more cowbell update here what's up buddy how you doing Good, just you know, I'm trying to cowbell it up for you guys. It's, it's a lot to live up to, the cowbell. It is, and for some reason, with just the the beard and awesome hair uh, that you know, it seems to be going on with you. I'm like, wow! I just happened to come across this picture of Will Ferrell in that in that video, and I'm like, wow! I mean, talk about a picture perfect intro. Um, so I hope we did you justice, Duffy. But uh, anyways, it's it's been a whirlwind of a week, obviously, for you. you got a ton going on down there. What, you're hosting two shows now down there, basically morning and afternoon, correct? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing the break room in the morning, which is what, you know, it's my job. And then right. uh, there's a we're doing a new show in the afternoon on our sister station, 95.7 ESPN. It's uh, Bill's Camp Live, myself and Gene Vitaglia. So that's three to six. So uh, all you Buffalo folks, when you're headed down to uh, – Night practice during the week. You can punch us on ninety five seven ESPN in Rochester on your way out. Nice. So, uh, do you just you just like right before you leave camp, just tell your wife and kids, see you in like a month or so, or maybe I don't know when, because I mean well, you're just, just there every day. <laughs> that's just it. Like I've been, I've actually been living there. I live down the street, like, oh, okay. twenty minutes away. And I'm All right, that's not camp, bad. You know, we do the morning show and then uh, we do interviews around noon, and we do the show. But bro, I mean, I'm hanging out at Bill's camp. Yeah, it's like you know, it's a dream job. It's what I've always wanted to do so i'm not complaining nobody's complaining oh yeah no i wasn't i wasn't somehow <laughs> telling you you were complaining here i'm just saying 
you know, and I kind of forget that you're over in Rochester too, so it's not exactly like Sal having to spend an entire month in a dorm, which I'm sure at this point in his career was thinking that would never happen again. So well, you know, it's funny. I know I know Sal's gonna be on a little while. He's working way harder than I am, and it seems like he's just he loves it more than I do. Like he's running around, big smile on his face, you know, all tan, no hair, but it fits him. It's perfect. Sal, you know, it's Sal- crazy too because Sale does so much, and you just never, you never hear Sale complain. He's just always excited to tell you something that you didn't know about camp, and that's what. Sure. That, I mean, that's what we love about Sale is he's always working, and he's always seeming to have a smile on his face somehow, even though he's been away from his family probably for the entire week, and he might get a chance to go see his family like maybe once this weekend on Sunday when the Bills get off. So he's a hardworking man. So he'll be on as you mentioned at eleven a.m. He'll be uh, bringing us more. Uh, but for now, we got you, Duffman, and uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on what you've been, you know, maybe noticing in some of these morning sessions um, with Tyrod Taylor. And uh, obviously, there's been a lot of talk he may be getting an extension here shortly. Um, but from the playing side and the practice side, what have you been seeing from uh, from the man in number five? Well, you know, it's really interesting. You know, there's that uh, Jason Lockham for a report, uh, what, two years, $30 million. And, you know, you brought up sale. Sal was on our show the other day. He had mentioned even before Jason a deal along those lines. But I think the magnifying glass is on Tyrod now because of that potential deal coming up, but because he's only played, what, 12 games in a Bills uniform. And, I mean, he hasn't looked fantastic. That being said, that's, supposed, that's how it's supposed to be during camp. And, you know, at this point along, the defense is going to be playing better than the offense. And on top of that, who's he have to throw the ball to? I mean, Robert Woods is your number one receiver. Then you have... Des Lewis, who's a seventh-round pick, Greg Salas, Leonard Hankerson. I mean, these guys that, not to be disrespectful, but you've never heard of before. You don't know what they can do. He's never really thrown the ball to them. So it's hard to judge Tyrod up to this point, how he's been playing, despite the fact that you absolutely need to because you may be guaranteeing him $30 million over the next two years. Yeah, and that's an interesting point to bring up. And and I thought it was funny. I was, I was kind of scrolling through Twitter yesterday and all this – all this talk out of Patriots camp is that Tom Brady went 25 of 25 in training camp yesterday. The ball never touched the ground. And the people are like, well, oh, I mean, our quarterback's been pretty average. It's like, well, why are, you, why are you trying to compare any quarterback first to Tom Brady? How about you just focus on watching this guy develop in front of our eyes? Because ultimately, as you mentioned, I mean, he's got 12, 13, 14 games maybe under his belt I think that the expectations should be scaled back. I don't think you should start comparing him side-by-side side as a passer to Tom Brady. I think if you do that, you're setting yourself up for failure. So I think what are your reasonable expectations for this guy? I know it's only a weekend, and as you mentioned, which I think is a good point that isn't brought up enough, is that in training camp, it really is set up for defensive success um, and defensive implementation of their, their you know base and more complex packages, so you're going to see some struggling on the offensive side of the ball. But what are your reasonable expectations for Tyrod Taylor in year two of Greg Roman's offense? Well, I mean, that's just it. Is you know, well, To go back to your point earlier, people panicking, comparing quarterbacks to quarterbacks. I, mean, I think as Bills fans, we have a reason to be a little concerned. The last guy who we saw only a little bit from and gave a monster contract to is now the starting quarterback for the Jets, and as soon as he put his pen to paper, it was a disaster, right? I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick. On top of that... I mean, uh, this is a guy who you had never heard of before last year, and this is a guy who fits in Greg Roman's offense, but last year they had the reins on him, right? They limited his mistakes as much as possible. He never threw over the middle, which pampered a guy in Charles Clay at tight end who we paid a whole bunch of money for. So 
the question in my head is when we take the reins off of Tyrod, when they let him throw over the middle, when they let him audible to whatever he wants at the line, when they let him make those decisions that they weren't letting him make last year, is he going to be the same guy that we want? I mean, you would expect his interceptions to shoot up. The question is, are his touchdown passes right. and big plays going to shoot up as well? And if they do, awesome. If not, and you gave him that contract, okay, now I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, and, and I think another thing to think about with Tyrod, too, is is that because he was drafted in the sixth round, I think that automatically people are like, well, the only other starting quarterback with that has ever done anything in the sixth <laughs> round is Tom Brady. And I think you start to make that unfair comparison with him. And and that's to me, and that's just how it's going to be, I think, moving forward with all the success that we hope Tyrod Taylor has. I think it really is going to be linked back to him being a sixth round pick and not really having a lot of success or really anything to speak of before that and in his professional career anyways. But yeah, Tyrod's going to be interesting story moving forward, but I was also trying to talk to you about this morning um, is a couple of these camp battles that we've been talking about. Obviously, we talked a little bit, uh, you did a little bit before on the wide receiver battle, but the running back battle, running back number two battle, got a little bit more interesting this week with Reggie Bush coming into the fold. Uh, From his first day or so, uh, are you excited about what you've seen from from Reggie Bush? Do you think that he's a potential um, big player for this team to help them and be an explosive player? I mean, I think I'm in a minority when it comes to the Reggie Bush signing. I mean, even before, when the rumors were happening, I was getting nervous because there are things that happen that you don't realize because you signed Reggie Bush. First of all, I thought we had, even when Carlos went down, our second running back on this roster, Mike Gillisley had a couple of great games last year. I know that that last game of the season that sticks out, that Jets game wasn't fantastic, but the offensive line's phenomenal. I think this is one of those teams where whoever you put back there, you're going to be completely fine. You have a big question mark at a guy like James Wilder Jr., but he's a Florida State guy like Carlos was, and he's a big guy like Carlos is, right? If you need a guy to get you two, three yards, James Wilder Jr. might be that guy. So when you bring Reggie Bush into the fold, you're probably going to lose one of those two guys if you're going to carry fullback, which I think Greg Roman is going to want to do. So in losing one of those two guys, when you have a third and one and there's no James Wilder Jr. to go to, or if you have a guy like Reggie Bush or LaShawn McCoy go down, which is potential, there's potential for that to happen, and Mike Gillisley is no longer an NFL free agent, well, I mean, what do you do there? I think people are wrapped up with what Reggie Bush did at USC. You know, there's that famous highlight of him in New Orleans returning that punt and pointing at the crowd. I mean, listen, this is a guy whose knee injury was potentially so bad last year, he almost sued the city of St. Louis for slipping on a concrete floor at that stadium. Even when he talks, when he did that opening press conference at training camp, he sounded like a guy who said, you know, I I need to prove that I can still do things, which, you know, as a fan, you love to hear that. You know, you want that fire in his belly. But it also tells me he's resigned to the fact that he's not what he was. And I don't know. I, I think the thing that scares me the most is going back to last year, we signed Percy Harvin, and Percy Harvin is a phenomenal talent, and Greg Roman takes Percy Harvin, and he puts him in his offense, and that opening game against Indianapolis is phenomenal because the field is wide open because Percy Harvin is all over the place. And that first touchdown pass in Tyrod, that rainbow 45 yards over his head, right into his hands, and you sit and you watch that play and you go, this is going to be a special season. Then Harvin goes down and the offense is completely handcuffed. Well, I worry that now that Greg Roman has Reggie Bush to play with, He's going to start coming up with things. And maybe Reggie Bush becomes more of the offense than we thought he was going to be. And if Reggie Bush goes down, which, again, is not that far out of the question, does it do the same thing to our offense that Percy Harvin going down did to us last year? 
Duffy, uh, how concerned are you now with this injury to Reggie Ragland? I mean, things have been coming out more and more that some people in the organization could be a little concerned about this injury. What are your thoughts on, on Reggie Ragland's status? I mean, it's really concerning. First of all, I mean, having Reggie Ragland in there, I know he had a first-round grade, and he's a heck of a college player, and a lot of people think he's going to do well at the professional level. I do, too. But now that he's gone, you have a couple of guys. I mean, a guy like uh, Zach Brown is the one that's going to step up, probably, and play that position for him. Zach Brown is a very different linebacker than Reggie Ragland. Is. Reggie Ragland is a guy who, you come across the middle, he's going to hit you, he's going to put a shoulder into your chest, and he's going to remember you're there. And Zach Brown... He's in that kind of linebacker, and we now have potential. You know, you talk Reggie Ragland with the knee, we're still waiting to see. That outside linebacker position is a huge question mark, too. You have, you know, Shaq Lawson, we all know. Uh, that's, he's going to be gone for a couple of weeks. Manny Lawson might not be ready. And Manny Lawson, a guy who, Mr. Reliable, he's playing past his expiration date career-wise, and I, I mean that in a good way. You're down to IK and Polly and undrafted free agent rookie Eric Stryker. And Eric Stryker is small. And they're worried about him playing against the big tight ends. I.K. and Polly is a pass rusher. They don't know if he can cover. So it looks like now half of your linebacker core may be guys that aren't NFL starter caliber players. I mean, that's, that's a huge concern for me. But then again, we could get to week one, everyone is healthy, and it wasn't anything to talk about at all. Yeah, and you bring that outside linebacker position up, and you don't think of it as right now a position that you need to go address because even though you do have some injuries to a guy, to both Lawson's, you do expect at some point those guys to come back. So you'd like to just get away with what you have now, and when they get healthy, then you're at back to full strength. But, I mean, do you think that ultimately this could hamstring what Rex Ryan's expectations are for this defense, which are to be significantly better next year? I mean, already we're a week into camp and we're talking about how injuries are going to affect this defense. I mean, are we kind of slipping into what had happened last year with injuries kind of derailing the progression and ultimate success of Rex Ryan's defense? I mean, yeah. Well, I don't think anything ever hamper hamstrings Rex Ryan's expectations. I think his expectations are always there. It's actually what's going to happen then if it hamstrings. I mean, Manny Lawson, I'm the president of the Manny Lawson fan club. He is what you want in a veteran NFL player. I mean, two years ago, he has an unbelievable season. Last year, they don't need him like they needed him the year before, but when he plays, he plays phenomenal. And now, I mean, it was funny. When Shaq Lawson went down, you know, fans flipped out, and rightfully so. It's a first-round pick. But that being said, nobody in the organization panicked because they knew Manny Lawson can do this job. Well, now that Manny has this injury and a torn pack, now we're hearing it's partially torn, so, again, he could be ready by week one. But this is one of those injuries where it affects the whole side of your body. You can't push off. You know, there's no swim move, there's no rip move for him. So if he's going to get to the passer, it's going to be a problem. I think, yeah, you have a legitimate reason to be concerned, and you might even be at the point now. I mean, they had IK and Polly, like I said, and undrafted free agent Eric Stryker running with the one. They move moving back and forth with each other. You might be at a point now where when those first round of cuts come, you got to look at an outside linebacker, and maybe even an inside linebacker, if you're going to be safe for opening day, which is a pretty scary thought. Duffy, I got to ask you here. Have you, first of all, have you seen the Frank Caliendo skit of John Madden talking about Brett Favre? And B, what are your thoughts on Frank Caliendo? Do you still see him as a funny guy, or do you think that he's just washed up and should just stop doing what he's doing? I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, it's not really my style, so I don't want to kill him. It's funny, I guess. If you're into it, I'm not going to judge you, Nate. I mean, you know, whatever you're into. 
Yeah, we this morning I I had Brayton put together uh, a little little you know montage of his of his th- I don't even know what you want to call it I guess thing that he was doing uh, about Brett Favre today and all of a sudden it took a really weird turn into squirrels and karate and uh, I just I I didn't exactly expect that that because I didn't watch the video itself but I just didn't expect it to take that weird of a turn but. You know, it's Frank Caliendo. But, uh, yeah, Brayton's real fired up about it. It was the one thing he wanted to ask you was uh, your thoughts on Caliendo because he's been fired up about it all morning. And uh, I just want somebody on my side here. He's a guy who loves Caliendo? No, yeah, he's not a Caliendo fan. I'm, like, I'm impartial um, because I love his Gruden and I love his uh, George Bush. Um, But, you know, other than that, I I think he's sort of gotten a little bit stale with some of this stuff. It just kind of seems like the same stuff over and over. No, Brayden's right. Hands down. And you're wrong, and I'm sorry. Uh, he's awful. He's a terrible person. <laughs> Thank you, Duffy. Thank you. <laughs> well, now, just so you know, Duffy, uh, you're going to be hearing from ESPN uh, when you uh, do your show on Monday. They're going to be like, oh, uh, just so you know, we're, we, uh, we got Frank Caliendo to be a, a guest for all week for you next week so uh enjoy that because uh, now you'll have frank caliendo all week but duffy thank you so much buddy for uh, hopping on with me this morning uh i'm gonna be out of camp today i won't see you because you uh you won't be there but uh we'll definitely try to link up next time i'll try to make it my way out to camp next weekend as well so yeah, definitely man thanks for having uh thanks for having me on and good luck with the rest of the show tell sal i said hey rub his head for me okay? i will i will thanks buddy <laughs> all right bud. all right duffy there from the uh from the break room at 6 to 10 a.m on 96.5 wcmf in rochester uh the more cowbell man as i will now properly call him uh as we uh, as we move forward into camp here so thank you to duffy for hopping on with me uh always good to have him on and get his uh, get his thoughts on the bills especially because he's there so dang much uh, up next, we will finish off the show. Uh, I don't. Uh, I was gonna maybe do something on Brett Favre. We already kind of talked about Favre, um, so I won't really uh, get into too much of him. We'll just close things off. I'll preview a little bit of what I've got planned for tonight for the scrimmage. Um, hopefully, Ryan Gates will be able to join me. I haven't got uh, confirmation from him if he'll be able to come out tonight, but. Uh, I will be out there at Bill's camp and bringing you some live audio and some live video. Um, and obviously, Sale will be out there as well. I'm sure he'll have some uh, some post practice thoughts he'll have online. Plus, I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll he'll be talking about it all during his show. So, following me this morning, Sal Capaccio hits the airwaves at 11 a.m. Uh, he's as I mentioned has been uh, there working hard, so he'll have tons to talk about. I'm sure. So, up next, we'll wrap things up here on WGR. All right, Nate Geary here with you, closing things up for uh, two hours worth of Bill's Scrimmage Preview. Thanks to all my guests this morning, Ryan LaSalle of Rochester Sports Network. This morning, Ryan Talbot from the New York Upstate and Duffy uh, from WCMF in Rochester. Thank you to you three gentlemen for hopping on this morning with me and previewing tonight's scrimmage and talking about the headlines that were the first week of Bill's training camp. I can tell you I'm excited to have Bill's football back, but just football in general uh, as college football now starts to get underway as well. Yesterday, uh, my Notre Dame team reported to camp uh, for the first time, so uh, some interesting stuff in the college and NFL game. Um, I will uh, indeed be paying attention to a lot of college football moving towards uh, the season start, but... 
for the, my last couple thoughts here on Bills Camp tonight and uh, previewing what I'll be bringing to the table tonight, I will be live on Facebook uh, for a majority of camp tonight. You can uh, add me as a friend on Facebook to check out what I'm bringing you today. Um, just, you know, it's Nate Geary. Just search me up on uh, on the Facebook and add me, and I will be sharing live player interviews, things like that, on my Facebook. I'll also be uh, putting them on my Twitter so you can uh, kind of refer to that I guess uh, that link and head back to my Facebook page that way so I'll have some video content up for you uh, today and then obviously sale will be up there as well sale comes up to you not next because we've got inside high school sports next um, which they'll be previewing I'm sure some high school football moving towards uh, the high school football season which that's what you just know it's football is in the air people um, and uh, I'm excited I'll be doing some high school football stuff as well this year with uh, with Tony and the guys uh, we'll be bringing some uh, some local um small and large school rankings as well Uh, so we'll be doing that this year uh, but football season's in the air. I'm excited about it uh, tonight. As I mentioned, I'll be doing a whole bunch of stuff, so make sure you're uh, you're paying attention at Nate Geary, W-G-R. That's uh, G-E-A-R-Y for those who uh, don't uh, know Irish Gaelic spelling. It's uh, G-E-A-R-Y. Uh, so pay attention to that. We will be uh, bringing you live local basically for the next few hours here. As I mentioned, we've got uh, Inside High School Sports next. Then Sal Capaccio comes in at 11 o'clock to uh, to bring you all of his thoughts from the week that was. Uh, as I mentioned, he's been hard at work out there at camp. Um, so excited to hear what Sale has to say about his thoughts on some of the position battles that we talked at length about this morning. Uh, and I'm sure he'll just break it down in depth and do his thing about that this morning. And pay attention to WGR550.com as he's always posting articles, uh, his updates from days of each day of practice, what position battles and some key things he's seen uh, from camp. So for me, uh, Nate Geary, and for Brayton Wilson. Thank you uh, much, Brayton, for coming in this morning and hopping on the board with me. Uh, I appreciate it. So for us, we will talk to you next week. This is WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.